When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 74 of the show. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Quarterbacks getting traded left and right. The NFC West may never be the same. Jimmy Garoppolo getting moved soon. Some Debo Samuel scares in regards to where he's going in free agency. So much to talk about today. So let's start right there with Debo Samuel. And it's really funny because I saw Debo Samuel post on his Instagram story saying, hey, like, any realtors out there in Miami? And, of course, that sent Niner fans into a tizzy, right? It was, oh, my God, is Debo going to the Dolphins? Is is he going to go follow Mike McDaniel? And it's like, guys, (laughs) like, relax, okay? Like, Debo Samuel, I would assume, like many NFL players and NBA players uh, and MLB players, they spend their off seasons where there's beaches, there's attractive women, and the weather is usually nice or perfect. Shorts and t-shirt weather, I might add. And so it's an easy place to work out. It's always sunny usually. You can sweat a lot more. You can lose the way you want to lose. And in a time like this, whether you agree with it or not, uh, Florida been open the entire time. <laughs> so uh, I don't... People lost their mind. of like, oh my goodness, Debo, is he going to Miami? But... No, <laughs> he's just he's just an NFL player trying to work out in the offseason and stay in shape and likely have a summer home so he, he can continue to do the things that make him so great. So that kind of, I, I do think that kind of distracted people from some bigger news that happened in the Debo Samuel market. Now, I think you and I could agree that Debo Samuel is a better receiver than Mike Williams of the Chargers. Or, or at least this past season was a better receiver than Mike Williams of the Chargers. And Mike Williams, who, again, is a good receiver, very tall, a good red zone threat, uh, he got a massive deal. Three years, $60 million, over $20 million guaranteed. And I think if you're a Niner fan, if you're the Niners themselves, you look at that, and even if you're Debo Samuel, you look at that and go, that may be the benchmark now where he is getting $20 million per year, obviously, annually, but cap hits and guarantees and and everything else kind of goes into that, so the cap hit would be a little lower. But Debo Samuel was supposed to get $19.2 million per year. John Clayton said that earlier in the offseason. So I think Debo looks at this and says, hey, I do more than Mike Williams can. Uh, I'm usually healthier than Mike Williams is. I would like three years. $62 $62 million with $22 million guaranteed. So I think the Mike Williams deal uh, it may not be 
the the Debo Samuel new contract extension will look similar to this, although I do think San Francisco would be smart to say, hey, we'll give you four years, move that cap even further down the line, or, they're smart really, cheap on the front end, cheap on the back end, and fill that puppy in the middle, because... Let's be honest, your cap hits or, or the, the salary cap is going up next year. And obviously after that too with the new TV deals. So if I was them, I would structure it cheap in the front, cheap in the back, and put all that money in the middle. That way uh, they can maximize his potential. And if Debo Samuel falls off or gets hurt, you can always cut him or trade him later in his career. But I do think the Mike Williams new contract with the Chargers uh, might be the new benchmark to look out for in the Debo Samuel market. Another Niner free agent, Lakin Tomlinson. Uh, there are reports that you know, he wants $11 plus million. I'll even up that. I think he'll want $16 million, $14 million. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson was one of the best guards in the NFL last year. Got his first Pro Bowl. Uh, he's going to want top-of-the-line money, right? And so it only helps that recently some guards have been released, like Roger Saffold from the Titans. Uh, but with that said, if Lakin does leave, they've uh, it was reported earlier in the year, or excuse me, earlier in the offseason, later in the season, uh, around week 16, that Tomlinson said that the Niners had not had contract talks with him. Now, that could be the Niners saying, hey, let's push this off to the offseason. We're in the middle of a playoff run or trying to get there. Let's talk about this stuff later, which is fine. Many teams do that. But you would think there would be some urgency. The only issue is San Francisco can't really do much because Jimmy G's deal and because they're roughly $5.5 million over the cap right now. Uh, So they really can't do much to negotiate certain things. Again, you can agree to a deal, uh, but you can't sign it until the 16th when the new league year starts. So essentially they could reach a deal, but I think San Francisco was a team that says, hey, look, let's see what we're actually working with first, then allocate money to certain players. So when it comes to Lakin Tomlinson, do I think he's gone? <sighs> There's a good chance Lakin Tomlinson does not return next year. And I don't know if Aaron Banks is that guy. You took him in the second round, traded up for him in the second round. I see no reason why he couldn't be the guy or shouldn't be the guy or take a risk on him being the guy. But with that said, if you're more comfortable with him transitioning to right guard, why not go after Roger Saffold, who was just released by the Titans, who has... A ton of experience, 10-plus years in the NFL. Played a large chunk of his career in Los Angeles under Sean McVay. He knows the system. He can run the system. And he's one of the better left guards in football. And if Aaron Banks isn't ready, or again, you do believe he should be your right guard, why not have an offensive line of Williams, Saffold, hopefully Alex Mack, Aaron Banks, and again, a hopefully healthy Mike McGlinchey. Uh, I think that the Saffold's uh, release only helps Lakin Tomlinson's uh, market in regards to the San Francisco point of view of saying, hey, look, now instead of there being one left guard, that being Tomlinson, there's three or four left guards that could be out there for us to sign, or at least our valuable veteran starting caliber left guards on the market. Tomlinson's still the best one. Let's make that very clear. He's still the best one. He's still the, the guy you want to have back, but... If you can get Saffold or another veteran guy like uh, Feliciano who was released by the Bills, I don't know if there's going to be a catastrophic drop-off. But again, you still want Tomlinson in that role next to Mack and Williams on your offensive line. But do not sleep 
on Roger Saffold being a fill-in guy for a year or two if San Francisco does not believe Banks can play left guard or they are more comfortable with him playing right guard in the future. Let's move on to the one thing that has essentially blown everybody away. It has stolen the spotlight, stolen the headlines, as it should. It's not very hard to understand why it wouldn't. And that is the quarterback trade extension rumor frenzy we're seeing currently right now. Like as of March 10th, 1120 in the morning, uh, we are witnessing a quarterback frenzy, if you will. And the first domino to fall was that of Aaron Rodgers. Now, I was never someone who believed the speculation of Rodgers to San Francisco was going to happen. I didn't believe that. Uh, I, I was never of the the mindset that Rodgers, not to say didn't want to come here, but I always thought his mindset was, I want to stay in Green Bay, I want to win this thing here, but I want to do it my way. And so he signed a reported although there is some maybe disputing going on as to how the money or if this money is correct, that he signed a four-year, $200 million extension, essentially giving him $50 million per season. Again, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, I don't know. I'm not in that room, but it was the first domino to fall. And you can even say maybe it was the first non-Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance quarterback option off the market for the 49ers. The next domino to fall, and I think this one is the biggest one by far, and this one will uh, it will transform how we look at the NFC West. It, it, it's already transformed the way I look at the Seattle Seahawks, and that is when Russell Wilson got traded uh, two days ago on March 8th, uh, I did not think Wilson or Rodgers were leaving. Uh, now I can say I'm batting 500, <laughs> but uh, I'm very glad that Russell Wilson is gone. I think man- many fans said, "Oh, thank goodness!" Like there was a sigh of relief knowing Russell Wilson was not going to be in Seattle next year. Uh, he-, he pretty much has been the Niner killer since he got in the league. But let's not forget, and I know you don't, that Russell Wilson uh, was pretty much the quarterback that brought in the new era in Seattle. The uniform changes, Pete Carroll's, you know, chewing seven pieces of gum on the sideline, the kind of cockiness, arrogance, uh, the Mr. Unlimited stuff, like the Legion of Boom. They essentially ruined, you could say, the Harbaugh era in San Francisco. They were the one team that we just could not get past, which is why in 2019, beating them at home in Seattle to clinch the division felt so much more better. Uh, but now Russell Wilson is not going to be in Seattle. He's going to be in Denver. And this was a huge trade. A huge trade. It wasn't like, oh, here's three first-round draft picks. Like, the Texans want three first-round draft picks and a little more for Deshaun Watson. I think the Seahawks, they got a great haul here. And I understand you trade your likely NFL Hall of Fame quarterback for a ton of stuff. You can argue, well, if Denver gets a ring... They win the trade, but if you're Seattle, you can say, well, now you go back to incompetence. You go back to kind of being the worst team in the NFC, and let's be clear here, though, they they already were last year, so, like, I don't know what this does, but the Broncos got Russell Wilson. Seattle got two first-round draft picks, two second-round draft picks, a fifth-round pick, Noah Font, a former first-round pick himself, so essentially three first-round draft picks, 
Shelby Harris, a solid defensive lineman, so an improvement there. And Drew Locke, who was also a second-round pick. So essentially, Seattle got three first-round draft picks, three second-round draft picks, a fifth-round pick, and Shelby Harris for Russell Wilson. But when you look at who's playing quarterback now in Seattle, it just makes you laugh. Drew Locke. Drew Locke and Geno Smith are the Seahawks' only quarterbacks. We're talking about Geno Smith, who was a first-round pick by the Jets, who couldn't beat up Mark Sanchez, who replaced Eli Manning for one game in New York until the fan base booed him and the organization themselves, so they put Manning back in in his final year. And Drew Locke, who couldn't even beat out Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, and the instant reaction to the trade was, <laughs> Man! Like, what is going on? Like, you traded two first-round draft picks for Jamal Adams only to recoup them by trading your Hall of Fame quarterback, and then you're going to have Drew Locke play quarterback? Like, what is going on? Like, the fact, like, it was like I was watching draft day and Seattle got swindled. But then other thoughts came into my head, and I'm sure yours as well, of what if this is a ploy to trade for Deshaun Watson? What if in some world somewhere, Pete Carroll and Schneider, the GM up there, what if they know something we don't know? What if there is some clarity? And supposedly tomorrow, being Friday, March 11th, Deshaun Watson's going to have a hearing. And there may be some clarity as to what his future will look like in the NFL. And it could lead to possibly uh, a Deshaun Watson trade being imminent. Now, the Texans want that, but if you're the Niners and you go from Russell Wilson to Deshaun Watson, who is much younger, who I can argue is better, albeit we haven't seen him in pretty much two years, makes you wonder. And then you add in two first-round draft picks, two second-round picks, Shelby Harris, Noah Font, on top of DK, on top of Tyler Lockett, it makes you wonder, maybe Seattle is retooling something. But until then... Right now, Seattle is the lowest of the low, one of the worst teams in football because we've seen them without Russell Wilson before, and uh, they stink. They're really bad, and so I think if I'm Jimmy Ward and uh, Jaquiski Tart, if he's back, and Emmanuel Mosley and Ambry Thomas and Fred Warner and Nick Bosa, I'm saying I get to not only sack and Drew Locke, who... I don't care how many rap lyrics you can rap on the sideline. It doesn't matter when it comes to play on the field. He's just not good. And so you get to sack him. He's probably going to throw a few ducks. Uh, I think it allows the Niners to feel a little more uh, confident going into 2022, knowing you're not facing Russell Wilson twice a year. And it might make Seattle a less scary place to play. Although you got two first round picks and two second round picks. There's a lot you can do with that stuff. Uh, and, and thankfully Denver wasn't too bad last year, but uh, I kind of think Seattle got swindled unless they get Deshaun Watson, which everyone's like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, uh, we may not be the worst run team in the NFL, being the Niners, but uh, you got to face Deshaun Watson twice a year and Matthew Stafford twice a year. And for what it's worth, maybe not in the future, but at least for next year, Kyler Murray twice a year, who doesn't really scare me that much. But still... There is this potential 
that the NFC West could have actually gotten better with this trade. It's worse now by far, don't get me wrong, but it could be better in 2022-2023. So just food for thought there. But then another trade happened. And we said, what? What is going on? And so the Jimmy Garoppolo trade rumors and stuff, I've always been of the the like of the mindset to say, look, the suitors are Washington, Pittsburgh, uh, with the outside chance, the Colts and the Saints because of cap issues. And again, before this trade, uh, I didn't know what was going to happen with Carson Wentz, but then the Colts kind of swap places with Washington as the number one seed for Jimmy Garoppolo because they trade Carson Wentz away. And I think this is kind of the model now for what a Jimmy G trade should look like. Like the fact that, man, the fact that the commanders took all, all of Carson Wentz's contract on top of giving up a third round pick this year a third-round pick next year that could be a second-round pick next year if Wentz plays 70% of his snaps and they swapped second-round picks this year. Like, I like Carson Wentz. I think he's a mid-tier quarterback. He was a former MVP candidate. He was he played a large role in getting the Eagles to the playoffs the year they won the Super Bowl. Obviously, he got hurt, didn't finish the job. Nick Foles did, but I do like Carson Wentz. But uh, that end of the year in Jacksonville left a sour taste in the mouth of Colts fans, the GMs, and the roster themselves. Again, I like Carson Wentz. I think he's a good guy. But the issue is his play on the field wasn't subpar, but it wasn't spectacular. He won them some games. He lost them some games. But on top of that, Frank Reich, who is the head coach of the Colts, he vouched for Carson Wentz to come to Indy. He went to Chris Ballard, the gym of the Colts, and said, look, I want this guy. I can fix this guy. He can be our quarterback. Well, come year's end, Frank Reich had to go apologize to Chris Ballard and say, I'm sorry, you were right. We shouldn't have traded for this guy. And then Chris Ballard goes to say, look, uh, we need leadership in this building. We need a guy who can play hurt who isn't afraid to, to essentially, he, he, uh, he, everything he said was Jimmy Garoppolo as a player and a person. He described Jimmy Garoppolo. And he was like, well, I, there's a quarterback on the market that fits everything you just described. Like your description in the dictionary where it says what you, like all the words you just said equals in a picture next to Jimmy Garoppolo's face. Again, they're not looking for the best guy. They just need a guy that can actually fill the role of quarterback competently on and off the field in the locker room. And that's Jimmy Garoppolo. I was talking to Shamari Block and Alan Styles on the air at 95-7 the game. And I said, look, I said, we know what Jimmy is, right? We know who he is. He's a great person, a great leader, a great teammate, a guy who will go to fight for his team, Right. But what he also has done, and you can argue, well, he didn't do it. It, it. it was the team. It was the running game. He has been a part of two teams in the last three seasons that outside of most elite quarterbacks, Mahomes, Burrow, Stafford, and Brady, they cannot say or that they've done what Jimmy has done. 
two NFC title trips, one NFC championship, the number one seed in the West in the NFC, the number one seed in the NFC in 2019, a Super Bowl appearance, and pretty close to winning Super Bowl MVP in 2019-2020. Like, not many quarterbacks can say that they did that. The Jimmy Garoppolo's resume is... Is one of the best on the open market. And right now, he is the most accomplished quarterback on the market. And so, looking at this trade, a third-round pick this year, okay, a third-round pick that could be a second-round pick next year, they took his entire contract, and they swapped second-round picks this year. Like, if that's the model for Carson Wentz's trade, what is Jimmy Garoppolo worth? Now, I'm not saying he's a first-round pick, but if you can get a third-round pick this year, or just switch it. Give me a second-round pick this year and a third-round pick next year. Give me a second this year and a fourth-round pick next year that can be a third-round pick in 2023. That's a win-win. Take his money. Let you lead him to the playoffs. He can win you a game in the playoffs. He did it for us. He may dig in a hole, but he'll dig you out of it, hopefully. <laughs> He's done it before. Like, I think the... If the Mike Williams three-year, $60 million contract extension is kind of the baseline for a Debo Samuel extension, why couldn't Carson Wentz's trade package be the baseline for Jimmy G? I'm not saying it's going to be that big where it's, you know, a swap and two second-round picks and whatnot. What I'm saying is that you just give me part of that. Give me a second-round pick this year and a fourth-round pick in 2023, that could become a third-round pick if Jimmy plays 70% of the snaps and takes to the playoffs. Like, the AFC South isn't that good. you got the Jaguars, who are, eh, not a good team. you got the Texans, who, is Deshaun Watson playing? Probably not. Davis Mills is okay. you got Lovey Smith being a head coach. I mean, this doesn't move the needle for me. Then you have the Titans, who lost to the Bengals in the first round despite sacking Joe Burrow nine times. So I'm just not exactly sure that if Jimmy doesn't go over there, he gets Jonathan Taylor, that offensive line, a strong defense, he reunites with DeForest Buckner, who I know for a fact, know for a fact, had to have gone to Chris Ballard and said, if you want the guy you described, leadership on and off the field, a guy who will fight for his teammates, who will be a dog, who will play hurt, that is Jimmy Garoppolo. The Colts have over $70 million in cap space. Trade for Jimmy. You can draft a quarterback. You can sign a, a veteran for a year who can, if Jimmy can't throw into week two, week three, he can play competent football. But I can tell you what Jimmy can do. He can beat Jacksonville in week 18 on the road to get you in the playoffs. Like, that's what Jimmy can do. So, again, I don't know if Jimmy to the Colts is going to happen. But right now, they seem like the favorite. But there are some news, there's some rumors that this thing might be held up for a little while. Simply because of Jimmy's shoulder surgery. I am not one who necessarily agrees with that. I am someone who says, look. And I mentioned it last week. Teams know he was getting surgery. They are going to want to have the full physical, every evaluation, they're going to want to know the results of the surgery, which was successful a couple days ago. So they know that now. They want to have the therapists, their own doctors in on stuff. They want to have everything available to them. 
And so I don't necessarily think this is holding up much. But to me, the final candidates for Jimmy are the Colts, obviously. The Steelers, who have 20 winning seasons in a row and do not want to have their first losing season in 20 years. The Saints, who are competently run. That division, again, the NFC South, isn't good anymore. No Brady. Sam Darnold's playing quarterback in Carolina. <laughs> like, it's an easy division to win, and they almost made the playoffs last year had we lost to the Rams in Week 18. And I think the maybe dark horse here, that being the Las Vegas Raiders only, and only if the Colts, and here's the thing with the Colts, is that they may be the best potential suitor for Jimmy Garoppolo. But you do not trade who is your starting quarterback, that was Carson Wentz, and not have a move planned afterwards. You have one quarterback in mind, maybe they have two in mind. And if they have two in mind, there's only two quarterbacks on the open market I would think would actually raise the level there in Indianapolis. One is Jimmy G, of course. The second is Carson Wentz, uh, excuse me, is Derek Carr. And if Derek Carr is on the open market or is available via trade, which he wants to return to Las Vegas, but they have not talked contract extension yet, if Josh McDaniels, who is now the head coach in Las Vegas, says, hey, look, hey, hey, Indy, give us the haul you just got for Carson Wentz, and now we're going to go trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm going to reunite with the guy who we all thought here in New England was going to be Tom Brady 2.0, was going to be the heir apparent. So, do not sleep on the Las Vegas Raiders being a a dark horse for Jimmy Garoppolo. Although I do think the best fit for Jimmy is the Colts or the Saints. Do not sleep on the Las Vegas Raiders. But I want to talk about this six-day timeline. Because the new league year starts in six days. Next Wednesday... The NFL free agency kicks off, players can sign officially, trades can be made officially at that time. And so, March 6th, March 16th, excuse me, is essentially the the target date for Jimmy Garoppolo to be traded. That is the last day they would like to trade him or have him on the roster, simply because freeing up $25 million of roster money, of, of, of cap, is huge when you want to bring back guys like DJ Jones, like Tomlinson, Tart, Verrett, Mostert, Key, uh, Tom Compton <laughs> for that much, or even sign a backup quarterback. You need that money. And we, and we know this. Now, there are other ways they can free up that money. We've talked about it before. Extending Jimmy Ward, restructuring Kittle, restructuring Armstead, cutting this guy, cutting that guy. And by the way, why would we ever cut Samson Nebucom? I don't like that at all. I think he's a fine player. With Ford's health concerns, Arden Key being a free agent, you got to have some carryover to next year with Bosa across from him. So keep Nebucom, shelve that conversation. But again, there are things you can do to free up money to maybe give yourself more time. But the issue is, who is the other best quarterback on the market outside of Jimmy? Maybe Derek Carr, who might be out there for trade, may not be. If he is, I can see the Colts being involved, but Pittsburgh, the Saints, and the Raiders, in that case, would need a quarterback. 
and you give a team essentially a week to discuss a deal, to figure out certain things, well, a deal should be had. My point more so here is that the Niners are really giving teams that are in the Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes, look, you got six days, really five days. They want this deal done March 16th, 12 a.m. You have six days to give us your best offers. You have six days to negotiate an extension with Jimmy, get it approved by Jimmy, and give us the correct compensation that we would like for Jimmy. You have five days, really, six days, figure this thing out. But until then, you know, we can't do much. And so, I would assume once Jimmy's deal gets done, then we'll see, you know, the restricted free agents get signed, like Jawan Jennings, Al Shire, and those guys have not been signed yet. I can confirm they have not been signed yet. I uh, talked to an insider, they have not been signed yet, despite reports out there. But on top of that, they want to bring back their free agents. And I'm, I would assume they're already talking deals like that. If they're already talking to Mostert, they're talking to Tomlinson and Jones and Key and guys like that. But Jimmy Garoppolo has to be, or at least has to be, one of the first stepping stones to be removed. Like, once he's gone, the entire thing opens up. They have a ton of money to spend, and they can then restructure and extend guys and figure things out. But we have a five-day, six-day window where the Niners are saying, give us your best offer. We'll mull it over. We'll talk about it. We'll talk to Jimmy and his agent, Don Yee, and we'll figure this thing out. But until then, <laughs> like, we can't do much, so send every offer you can. Like, they're, they're talking to multiple teams. I'm assuming it's, again, Colts, Steelers, Raiders, Saints. Maybe the Panthers are in there, but, again, this is kind of a, a six-day get-your-offers-in-until-we-have-to-make-a-deal. You know, and people saying that, well, they can wait and they can do all this stuff. The Niners do not want to wait. Now, they're not in panic mode. Again, people can say, well, the Niners are going to play hardball here. You know, they're not in a rush. Well, sure, not in a rush, but come Tuesday night, 11 p.m., they're going to be in a rush to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Just because they want the money off the books, they want to know what they're doing in the draft with trades. And so, and on top of that, who they can target, which guys they can go for, and also, when you know how many picks you have, it allows you to maneuver elsewhere. You can trade picks for a player. You can package picks for a higher pick. You can just do so much more once Jimmy's off the books. You kind of, I, I hate to say this, but Jimmy Garoppolo is somewhat of a gray cloud hovering over San Francisco. And it's not because play on the field. It's because of this looming idea or this looming trade that's going to happen soon. Now, some may say today, some may say tomorrow. This is a six-day period of Jimmy Garoppolo has to go. That's it. He, they have six days, and he has to go. So, uh, my money's on Indianapolis, but my dark horse really is the Raiders. If I had to give you an order, I would say the Colts, the Saints, the Raiders, then the Steelers. We'll see what happens, but if Carson Wentz can get you... A third and a second, really, next year. And a, a second round swap. I, I see no reason why Jimmy can't get you a second this year or a second next year and a third or fourth rounder this year. Or next year. So again, like, a second and third or a second and fourth for Jimmy is stealing money, essentially. Like, you're getting more than you got. You tr- traded away for him in 2017. He gave you two amazing playoff runs and 
kind of allowed you to go get Trey Lance too. So like the Niners kind of fell into this thing and I think they did it perfectly. But to wrap up the show, we have some things to discuss in regards to the draft, some free agents out there. And one of the free agents is related to the Russell Wilson conversation because the Seahawks are what looks like in full rebuild mode. They traded Wilson. Everyone said, oh no, franchise quarterback. Then later that night, they released Bobby Wagner, which was like, wow. We're releasing all of our cornerstone players here. Are you going to trade DK? Are you going to trade Tyler Lockett next? Like, what's going on in Seattle? But now people are saying the Niners are involved and they're inquiring to, to maybe sign Bobby Wagner. And my answer simply is no. No. And I like, I love... Bobby Wagner. He is one of, if not the best linebackers of the past nine years. He's insanely good. All pro, pro bowler, uh, has been one of the best linebackers in the NFL and arguably the only reason as to why Fred Warner may have not been considered the best linebacker in the NFC West for the past three seasons. And so I understand fans saying, let's, you know, let's relive our you know, our Bowman and Willis lies and had this amazing linebacker tandem. But my question is, Bobby Wagner made $13 million last year. His last contract in Seattle, he was given annually $18 million. Now, why would a linebacker like that, of his prestige, why would he sign for little money? Now, you can argue, well... Super Bowl chances, playoff hopes. He has a $3. million cap hit from the Seattle Seahawks. He's already getting paid $3 million. He can sign for 4 or 5 and he can make 8 to $9 million in San Francisco, totally, but only pay part of that money. And I see that point. I really do. But we have Al Shire. We have Greenlaw. People can say, well, Al Shire is a free agent. He's a restricted free agent. He will be back. Greenlaw making $3 million. And on top of it, Fred Warner plays Mike Linebacker. He plays the position Bobby Wagner would play. We have Linebacker locked up and spending five, six, seven. And in Wagner's case, I see no reason as to why he wouldn't want 10 plus million dollars. We have to resign Debo and Bosa still. We have so many other holes to fill outside of Linebacker, which has arguably been our best position in the last three to four years in San Francisco? I get it. When you can add an all-pro, you at least think about it. The Niners always do that. But realistically, I'm not exactly sure how that fits. Now, you can say, well, you can't let him go to Los Angeles. He might go to the Cardinals, and he very well might. But now we know the Dolphins want him, the Colts want him, the Ravens want him, the Jaguars want him. So many teams are going to be making a bidding war, and I just don't think San Francisco has the funds and necessarily the need to go sign Bobby Wagner. Like, that position is locked up solid for the Niners. Why potentially make yourself weaker elsewhere to fill a need or a role that you already have filled? I'm just not on the sign Bobby Wagner uh, bandwagon currently. The other thing is J.C. Jackson. Now, if you had to circle or name one free agent you wanted the Niners to sign this year, it would likely be J.C. Jackson, right? He has led the NFL in interceptions the last three to four seasons. He's one of the best man coverage uh, cover 
one cornerbacks in the NFL. He is someone that the Niners have been wanting since Deion Sanders, really. Someone that can get you the ball back, get interceptions, and again, if this was next year, I'm all for it. But J.C. Jackson's going to want $20 million a year. Now again, all depends on structure, I know. But when you hear the Niners are among teams with legitimate interest in J.C. Jackson, I get it. Again, why wouldn't you be? But there's still this idea of, unless you're taking a bargain uh, salary, unless you're willing to take a small cap hit this year and have your contract explode next year once TV deals hit, which I don't think J.C. Jackson will want, although, again... If I can sign J.C. Jackson, you definitely try to, but I would rather have Debo and Kittle and Ayuk locked up and Arden Keyback and Ebukam and DJ Jones and Eric Armstead. Like, I'd rather have and Jimmy Ward and, and, and Tart. Again, I love J.C. Jackson. He is the, again, the one free agent you say, who do the Niners need? Who, who is your one free agency want? It's going to be J.C. Jackson. But it's not just sign a guy and, well, the Saints can make the cap hit work. Yeah, and they screw themselves down the road. The Rams can make the cap hit work. Well, kind of, but they're trading draft picks away for players usually on one-year deals, two-year deals. They aren't they aren't cap stringing themselves for three to four to five seasons. Like OBJ's deal will be for two to three years. Von Miller might leave this offseason. It's not like they're making these massive contracts. They're paying guys they can pay, and they've been weaker in certain, pretty much other positions because of it. And so, I get they want a ring. I get it. We want to be there. But J.C. Jackson isn't going to make or break our odds to winning a championship. The Niners do not pay cornerbacks big money. What they do is they build from the trenches out. And right now, our trenches look a little weak simply because we have so many free agents. Now, two more things before we go. The Niners are apparently showing interest and have been talking about signing Ray Ray McLeod at the NFL Combine. Uh, McLeod played for the Steelers the past two years. Not much of a receiving threat, but he might be our first return specialist. We might sign, what, since Alan Rossum <laughs> in like 2013, 2008, whenever it was. And so, I love this. We need someone that can hurt an opposing team at any position. The last thing you want to have is Debo playing a return specialist come playoff time. And I get he's your best player. He can hurt teams anywhere on the field, so why not use him? But if you can save him taking hits, you can save that body of his, and you can get someone like McLeod, who per punt had almost 10 yards a return, and per kick had almost 22.2 yards. So, essentially what you're doing is, you're replacing Rich James Jr., you're replacing Ayuk and Debo back there, and you're saying, let's get us a guy who can play receiver, but won't hurt our cap, and can do the thing we've been missing. Our special teams has sucked the last three to four years. Why not bring in a return specialist to fill a role that is arguably, really is, our weakest position on the field? Our weakest unit is special teams. And if you can get you a guy that can get you to the 30-yard line consistently, why not? If you can get past 25-yard consistently, why wouldn't you bring someone like that in? So I'm all for that. 
And the one final thing we have to discuss today, and that is the NFL Combine. Hopefully in the next few weeks, once the Jimmy Garoppolo trade goes through, I will run down every position and prospect I like and love and don't like and don't love and who I think the Niners should target in the draft. But I will say this. There's already one player that many of the fan base has fallen in love with or wants to draft. And I myself, uh, well, I, I, I talked to that certain player. Leon O'Neal, the safety from Texas A&M, had a great combine. He's someone that'll probably go in the middle round, so three through five. Uh, he is someone who I do think could replace Jaquiski Tart if Tart does indeed leave in free agency. And O'Neal met with San Francisco, and I DM'd him, and I said, hey, let's get you in that red and gold. And he responded, I would love that. All I'm saying is, Leon O'Neal might be our guy. Now, many players might say that. They, they want to get drafted, of course, but it seems like the news coming out of the Combine was every single prospect to have met with San Francisco loved it. There was kind of this... This aura around the team of like they're fun, they're young, energetic, they want to win, they know how to win. And Fred Warner even talked about uh, on the Richard Sherman podcast that uh, the team, when they brought him in, the meeting was kind of like no other he had. They knew how they wanted to use him, where they wanted to play him, and they knew what they wanted to do with him in the NFL. So I think that Leon O'Neill would be the guy to get in, and he obviously loved the meeting with Shanahan and Lynch and the scouts and the coaches, that if you can get him in the third or fourth round, fifth round, you have a guy that already seems to be kind of bleeding that red and gold. All right, guys and gals. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Before we go today, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, SeatGeek. Again, baseball looks like looks like it might be back very soon. Hopefully it is if you're a Giants fan. If you're an A's fan, whatever fan you are, football's coming back very soon. College baseball's out there. Concerts are back, finally. If you want to save $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek, use promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. Save some money. Gas prices are extremely high right now. Any money you can save is well worth it. And... Don't forget to follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. You are not going to want to miss a thing. When Jimmy gets traded, we will have it instantly. You are not going to want to miss when that happens. Also, leave a like, share, subscribe, leave a review on the podcast. Get the 49er podcast to one of the top Niner podcasts on the market. And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett, and stay faithful. <laughs>